1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Positive Friday. How are you? Welcome to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440. Coming to you live also on Oilers Nation YouTube, check out the channel, you can uh, watch the show, get involved, it's pretty easy, have a lot of fun. Also, um, before 6 o'clock today, uh, give away some uh, tickets, goes to the oil game on uh, Sunday. First little preseason game for uh, Die Hard, you always want to see what's happening, it's not televised, so it's your opportunity to uh, watch the game, good lower bowl seats, so uh, we'll be doing that. But we're doing that. We're giving that away today on our YouTube channel. You need to subscribe. So go to Orders Nation YouTube. It's pretty simple. You'll see it. And then subscribe. And uh, away you go. And we'll uh, pick a lucky subscriber to be uh, going to the game on Sunday. We have a, a loaded show for you. As always, you can get involved. You can... Text us, 833-401-1440. You can send an email, gregor at sports1440.ca, connor at sports1440.ca. The show is always presented by our title sponsor, playalberta.ca, and uh, there's lots going on at the playalberta.ca. Of course, if you're, if you're just feeling lucky, very simple, they have the Lotto Max Friday draw. And whew, 20 mil. Not bad. Not bad at all. And how about this, man? There's uh, two goal ball draws remaining like phew, 66 mil. That's for Saturdays. 649. 66. That's almost too much. I want to split it. Well, maybe not too much, but you know what I mean. Might be overwhelming at times. So, uh, day two of uh, orders Training Camp. We'll get to that on the uh, show today. Also, we will hear from. Kurt Hill, the GM of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Uh, their season begins tomorrow. Well, sorry, at home. Tonight they're on the road, but tomorrow is their home opener. So you can enjoy that. Probably have some tickets to send you to that game. Also, uh, Laurie Ann Munzer will join us at 3 o'clock. Brent Wallace, as we continue our uh, previews, will stop in Ottawa. It's official. Mr. Anlauer is the new owner. Steve Stales, no surprise, has been talked about for a while. He's now in the Ottawa organization. Low tide will be by spec Luke Wilson. Former uh, NFL tight end, now analyst on TSN, will be by. Wanya Gretz will join me in studio at 4 o'clock. We have uh, the two-minute warning with Cam Tate coming up uh, later on this hour. Lots and lots to discuss, of course. Big weekend. Second last weekend in Major Leagues Baseball. And the uh, Jays... They're right in the mix, man. They're taking on Tampa Bay uh, this weekend. And meanwhile, the two teams they are battling in the wild card, Seattle and Texas will go head to head. So if the Jays win, anytime they win, they know they're gaining ground, at least on one team. And if they lose, they'll only lose ground on, uh, on one team. So they enter today. They are a half a game up on both Seattle and Texas. Both teams though, have a game in hand on the Jays. So, uh, Toronto's game in hand was last night. They lost to the Yankees. They have the same sixty-eight losses. Jays have one more win. So Seattle or Texas? Let's say the Jays got rained out tonight. Only one of them can catch him. and then the uh, the other one would uh, rem- would be a full game back. So the Jays taking on uh, Tampa Bay, obviously, who is currently locked in the uh, first wildcard spot. Tampa's good, man. They got the second most wins in the AL. And uh tied for what? Uh, third most wins in the league. Atlanta's got 98. Baltimore has 95. And then uh, Tampa and the Dodgers have uh, 94. So it's going to be quite the uh, stretch run. I like it. of Friday, baby. Pour it on from uh, Norm in a combine. Hey, that's right, Norm. It's of Friday. Bring it on. Be fired up. Lots to talk about uh, on the show. Today. Now, I do want to get to one thing. I know it's Pause of Friday, but I have to give this off my chest because it's been bothering me for a while. And it seems to come up, and, and people bring it up, and they really, they're just, they're uninformed about uh, certain things. So on a Pause of Friday, just so that we don't have to uh, always relive this, because it, it seems to be an, an ongoing point of conversation, and one that isn't necessarily... um shall we say, the most accurate. Okay? So, you go back to uh, to 2015, Connor McDavid got drafted, Ethan Baer, uh, Caleb Jones, a uh, few others were drafted. And and also, earlier that year, you had uh, Dustin Schwartz join the Orders organization as their goalie coach. I just want to point out quickly, he was not the goalie coach when Devin Dubnik was here. So people say, oh, Dubnik got better when he left Edmonton. Schwartz is a terrible goalie coach. They didn't work together. So now, since Schwartz was here, they drafted uh, Miroslav Svoboda in the uh, seventh round. Never really did much. Um, they also drafted goaltender uh, Dylan Wells in the in the fifth round. Then they drafted Stuart Skinner in the third. Everyone says, wow, they haven't developed a goalie. Stuart Skinner just won rookie, or sorry, was the runner-up in Rookie of the Year. Isn't that developing a goaltender? I always hear, well, goalies leave Edmonton, they're way better. Who? Go look at Cam Talbot's career numbers, then go look at his numbers in Edmonton. His save percentage in Edmonton is basically the exact same as his career. And that's because the third year, he struggled. Maybe because he got overplayed a bit in the pri- previous two. Or maybe he just kind of came down to earth and what the goalie was. Either way, he was kind of the same goalie before, the same goalie after. Not much of a massive difference. Didn't make the goalie worse as some claim. Mike Smith, in his late 30s, had some of his best seasons in Edmonton. Dustin Schwartz was here. Mikko Koskinen came to the NHL at 31 years of age. Never been in NHL before. Now, it's not Schwartz's fault they overpaid him. But if you look at Koskinen's first year, when they overplayed him down the stretch, got fatigued, then his conditioning got better, and then he narrowed his stance... And you can only work with so much. You can't take a C goalie and suddenly make him an A goalie. Koskinen's numbers, he was fine as a backup. As long as you didn't overplay him, he was fine. Stuart Skinner's been developing. Roderick's been developing. So please stop with false narratives on a positive Friday that Dustin Schwartz is a bad goalie coach when there's actually no truth to it. Mike Smith, some of his best years here. Miko Koskinen, never been in the NHL before, never been in the NHL afterwards. It was serviceable. Stuart Skinner, who's been with Schwartz from day one, is the goalie that you want a goalie coach to develop. He's overseen it. Rodriguez now, he keeps improving. Who knows how, how good he'll be. And keep in mind, not every draft pick that you have is going to work out. Not every offense when your draft works out. Does that mean your defense coaches are terrible? No. It's just the truth is, they're not all good enough to play. That's how it goes. But please stop repeating falsehoods. It's embarrassing. Okay? It's embarrassing. Show the list of all these goalies who are so great after leaving. There isn't any. Sorry, there isn't any. I just had to get it off my chest. I'm just tired of hearing about it. It's ridiculous. I'm not saying Dustin Schwartz a do-all end-all, but he's not nearly as bad as people claim at all, none whatsoever. If you want to use Lauren Bressois, did you know that when he left Edmonton, Lauren Bressois stayed working with Dustin Schwartz? So there you have it. Now, Hey, Gregor, it's hard to get rained out in Tropicana, Darren. Yeah, I know, Darren. (laughs) I was just using it as an example, saying if the game was postponed, either way, the Jays would still be in a playoff spot because the two teams that have the game in hand, only one of them can win. That was my point. So the Jays, if they can manage to win two against Tampa Bay this weekend, they're going to at least gain one game on one of those two teams. They just want to avoid going one and two. It's a big weekend. Obviously, you're in a playoff race. But even if they go one and two, they'll still have lost no ground on one of Seattle or Texas because they're playing each other all weekend. So it's a little bit of an advantage schedule-wise for the Jays because Tampa is a very, very good team. Very good. And then they play Baltimore again, who's obviously pretty good. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, The Elks tonight. Uh, here, Here is the captain obvious statement of the day. They're not going to get shut out. All right, it's pause of Friday, but let's be real here. Getting shut out twice by the same team has never happened before in the f- franchise history. They're not getting shut out three times. They will find a way to get in the end zone. Brown, Trey Ford, Lewis, somebody. They're going to score points tonight. Now, can they beat BC? We'll see. Lions are pretty solid team, but their quarterback is very susceptible to throwing interceptions. If I'm the elk secondary, you know what I'm doing? I'm practicing my catching before the game because, trust me, you'll get a few balls thrown your way in the secondary. It'll be up to them to hold on to it. But the option is going to be there to get a pick tonight. So we'll see how it goes. It'll be entertaining. should be a decent night for Friday night football. 7 o'clock start, not 8, so that's even better. I like it, and we'll go from there. Connor Hallie is with us. Conman, what's your expectations tonight's Lions Elks game?
3: Well, uh, just making sure. Seven thirty start down at Commonwealth. Oh, seven thirty. So, well, you know, people can get there early, tailgate, have a good time. That's you know fine. What? The weather's going to be great. I went to. The, I walked by the tailgating. Like it is good. expanded. It's getting
2: bigger and bigger all the time. Like yeah. they're down there. Everybody's having fun. Right. It's very respectful, but it's a good time. Like, there's live music going on. People got the barbecues out. They offer you food if you Mm -hmm. like. Like, honestly, I remember the first time I went to Green Bay, and my wife was not a big – she went there, and she was like, what kind of magical world (laughs) is this? Because we were walking into the stadium, and people stopped, and now there, they do it big time. Like, they have old ambulances that they've turned into, like – Basically, big fridges, and they park it there, and they open the doors, and they've got they're serving, and they were serving Jagger, and you walk by, they're just like, "Hey, do you want a Jagger?" Which happened to be my one of my wife's, like she doesn't drink a lot, but she does like Jagger, and she was just like, "This is unbelievable!" And right now, that's what it's becoming at the Elks. Like it's very friendly. They offer burgers and different things to people. Everybody's getting along, so uh, I recommend it if you haven't gone. And now you, know, you got to reserve your spot, mm-hmm. right? Which is great. You got to plan ahead. Uh, they'll be down there pretty early. I'm guessing 4 o'clock, maybe even earlier, the diehards getting in the parking lot, and away you go. And it's a fun atmosphere if you just kind of want to walk through it on the west side of the stadium.
3: And that's what I would recommend that. I mean, you don't have to get there and set up shop, but walk through it, say hello to people. Yes. Everyone's there to chat. They've got live music going on. And like you said, food and drinks, the spirit of Edmonton people are fantastic. They'll they'll make you feel at home. As for the game once it gets going. I mean, expect the Elks to try to establish the run once again. Kevin Brown, these last couple of games has been absolutely outstanding. You know, averaging six point three yards per carry. And you know, you look at him and you think, how do you bring him down after the first tackle? Like he he's just kind of a little ball of hate out there, and he's busting big runs. I believe he has the most twenty yard plus runs in the CFL at nine he's just been really great and and i don't think his evolution happens without the team putting in Trey Ford and running those options and keeping the the linebackers on their heels a little bit before they can just uh you know shoot the gaps so I, I think the Edmonton Elks for them just try to establish that run and like you said Vernon Adams 14 interceptions this year leading the way, and that's in a game less played. He'll throw some balls up there that you can go and get, and the Emton secondary, as of late, has been finding the ball. So I think for sure you got to try to take advantage of the mistakes that BC gives you, try to play off the home crowd, hopefully, and just continue doing what you're doing. Establish the run. That's going to set up the pass for Trey Ford, and, uh, yeah, well, hopefully they keep this thing going. Hey,
2: Gregor, you're 1,000% wrong. Schwartz is not a good goalie coach. Some goalies have looked better here because of the team in front of them. Koskinen did not improve, and neither is Campbell. If anything, they've gotten worse. RL. Well, except the data actually shows RL that Koskinen did improve. What are you talking about? Okay? Have data to back up a hollow opinion. Okay? Because your opinion looks ridiculous. Fact. Jack Campbell had one bad year. You, you think Schwartz told him to change everything? Said, hey, they actually got him to change his equipment, which he wouldn't do because it was outdated. So is Dave Manson a bad... Goal defense coach Because Cody Ceci wasn't as good last year As he was the year before Like think about that It's a ridiculous statement <laughs> Ridiculous Mike Smith The team in front of him was better Huh Mike Smith played on good teams before Or Are the Oilers a defensive juggernaut All the- That's what I'm learning now RL is that the Oilers are a defensive juggernaut That make their goalies look way better What are you talking about <laughs> It's a hilarious comment it's hilarious. Anybody who watches the orders will say the one area that they got to improve on is consistent team defense. But RL's telling us, well, the team in front of them makes the goalie look better. <laughs> That's a good one, man. Good one. So, hey guys, I feel like the team has to from Smith. Having him in the net was like having a third D man from Cat Dad. Well, he was unbelievable moving the puck, but you know, Stuart Skinner's pretty good puck handler. All right? Jack Campbell's okay. Uh, you're right, though. It, I think at times there were certain times where Mike Smith's puck handling scales. Now, everybody remembers he'll make a gaff every now and then, but then he would make like a hundred good plays. But well, geez, he makes one bad one. So that's what I got to focus on. It's quite comical to me, but yeah, it did change it for sure. I think at times he made it like Tyson Berry said it like you go some games, you don't even get hit because Mike Smith was out. He's knocking the puck down. Then he's moving it. It was a big advantage for sure. So, uh, but Stuart Skinner's a pretty decent puck mover. He's not at Smith's level. But he's well above what Koskinen was. As for Jack Campbell, he had a bad year. I don't think anyone can question that. He admits it. Everybody knows it. But I don't put that on the goalie coach solely. He didn't come in and suddenly change Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell had a bad year. He talked about it yesterday. Got behind the eight ball early, probably put a little too much pressure on himself. Then they worked on some things throughout the year. But when your confidence is low, it doesn't matter. It's like when a forward suddenly is going 20 games, hasn't scored a goal. You can be the skills coach, you can be the offensive coach all you want to work with them, but it's hard to, to get their confidence back up until they score again. And goalies are harder because obviously you're not pitching shutout every game. And making one big save usually doesn't just turn it around for a goalie. So Jack Campbell, no question, is the guy to watch this year. But if Jack Campbell has a solid season this year, is everybody going to say, wow, what a great job Schwartz did? No. They're going to say, oh, it looks like Jack Campbell's back to the goalie he was the previous four years. Work on a few little things. Quick break. When we return, Kurt Hill will uh, join us. The uh, Oil Kings. They're going to be a lot better than they were last year. And that's junior hockey. It's cyclical. Obviously, the Oil Kings were at the peak. And unfortunately, some of their peak years happened to be uh, during COVID. So they they were robbed of a few more competitive seasons. But they had a down year last year, which they expected. Now they start to come up. They've added some age and experience on the back end. Can they push for a playoff spot? We'll find out from the GM next on the Jason Greger show presented by playalberta.ca. Pause of Friday continues on sports 1440 and also live on Oilers Nation YouTube you and get involved. Text lines humming at 833-401-1440. Also lots of comments already in on the chat room. And uh, we will now get to our big guest of the day, brought to you by the Hockey Super League, a premier hockey solution with a clear path for long-term development, offering borderless hockey, including provincial and cross-province competition. Visit HockeySuperLeague.ca for more information. And uh, we are joined in studio by the uh, general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Kurt Hill. Join us, Kurt. Welcome back. Uh, I guess, well, not welcome back, first time in this studio, but uh, welcome back to the show. Uh how
4: are things? Yeah, they're they're doing good. Yeah, I think uh thanks for having me to the new studio. It's great to be here and yeah, just looking forward to getting the year going here tonight. And uh you guys like a lot of teams in the league, it's
2: you know, there's every, some teams have four guys missing, some have five. You've got two uh just due to because they're still in NHL camps, which is a great opportunity for the young guys. I'm sure as a GM you're like, well, I'd like him here, but it's you know, it's only a few games. But your team I think is one where I think you go into the season believing you can compete for a playoff spot. And You know every game could matter at the end of the day so while it's great for them selfishly maybe you'd probably want them here for two games
4: yeah certainly i think it's kind of that the attitude our group has to go in to the year with it's uh you know, I don't think we, we have a team on paper right now where you're, you're predicted to win the league like we've had here in, in the past. But, you know, all the points are going to matter. Those tight games are, are going to be really important as we move down the stretch. But even, even here early in the season, you want to get off to a good start and start building that confidence. I think we were even trying to distill that a little bit in the exhibition games where we probably had some, some more numbers, a little bit more of our roster and what that was going to look like. And, um, yeah, we played in one goal games and all four of them. So I think it's going to be a year where we're playing in a lot of tight games and it's just, finding ways to get points and, and help come off on the better side in some of those.
2: You didn't have a lot of wins last year, and that's Kind of the cyclical nature of of the Western Hockey League when when you go for it, eventually you age out some players and you know what, uh, you kind of got to wait a few years just to to see some players come in. And and now you're kind of in the start of a new cycle as a GM. So that's always part of it. But you brought in, you know, a few 20-year-olds. Unfortunately, Nash has got a broken wrist, so he won't be ready to play for you until December. But uh, Lejois is on the back end. You need some experience back there. Kind of if you look at your team and then you look around the league,
4: where do you where do you see your team's strengths to start the year? Well, I know kind of when we did, ran the numbers here throughout the summer, and we're kind of looking around the league on who's returning, where what, what everyone's strengths are going to be, we certainly have a lot of experience in net. We have two guys that have played in the league and, and have a lot of experience, so um, although their numbers last year were tough at times, just with, you know, but a lot of the times they were kind of let out to dry yeah. in some of those games, just with where we were as a team and, and injuries and some of those variables, but um I think that should be one of the strengths we need those and we need them to be those yeah. guys it 's uh we have a nineteen and an eighteen year old and you know it 's designed that way that we can have a good tandem and uh, and hopefully you know give our young decor some time to learn and make mistakes and um you know our forward group is actually a little bit of an older group it 's not super young, and some of the younger guys we do have are guys that are already playing up in the top six of that lineup so you know when you go down the depth a little bit it 's not like our our fourth line is full of sixteen year olds it 's some of those Players that are 17 now are, are moving into our top six, which you want, and hopefully they can have a good year this year. And you, you got them for three years. When you look at
2: certain players, I don't like to put too much pressure or expectations, but I'm sure some of these guys feel like, hey, it's ready. It's a year for me to, to make a step. And one of those guys is Cole Miller, where you you just look on paper, and, you, man, he's got a lot of the right things. Um, you know, He came in as a six-year-old on a really good team, got, got to experience some things, and he's a big body. Where do you see Cole at as far
4: as his development? I think he's moving in the right direction. You know, one of the things we focused on last season, kind of when we got halfway through the year, was really him getting a lot stronger and putting on some weight. We kind of ran numbers on guys that are getting drafted and moving on to the NHL and you know we really tried to make that 190 mark okay. a goal for him to get stronger and and you know mature physically and and he credit to him he put the work in over the summer. You know I think he's 192 going into the season. He looked good in in camp, looked good in the preseason. So um I think it's trending in the right direction where he's going to be on cue here to have a good year for us. He's going to it's he's going to play big meaningful minutes to us. And when you're a centerman, it you know there's going to be tough nights with matchups, but he's got to find a way to take that step now.
2: When you let's look at his game because he seems to have all the pieces. It's just a matter of now of putting it together. You know, last year, I'm sure, it was tough for any of the young guys because their first year in the league is like, oh, my goodness, this is great. We're winning all the time. Like, everybody's having fun. And then, boom, you're barely winning. How much do you think the mental wear and tear weighed down some of your younger players who were there in their second years after having success
4: early? Well, certain, I, I certainly think those young guys that were there the year before put a lot of expectations on themselves and I think for any player in the western League at seventeen it 's pretty tough to drive offense by yourself and drive a team and, and even with championship experience, those guys you know they weren 't in the fight every night they weren 't on the top line so last year, um, I think they did get off to a little bit. They were overwhelmed early, and then the team we weren 't winning games and they were just putting pressure on themselves and um, this year's a little bit of a different scenario where we have some more older guys to insulate. And, and they're starting to now turn on to the second half of their career here in the league where they need to make those steps and they need to start driving the bus a little bit more.
2: GM of the Edmonton Oil Kings, uh, Kurt Hill, joins us. Of course, uh, they start tonight and then their home opener tomorrow. Uh, we'll give you some tickets uh, later on in the show if you want to uh, head down. And you know what? You look at the league overall. You know what? There were some strong teams last year is there a team on paper like there doesn't from my vantage point you obviously search it a lot closer than i do i don't see necessarily two like juggernauts that we had there's more good teams is that fair or do you see one or two that could match seattle and winnipeg
4: i don't know there's nothing close to that at this point like last year there was multiple teams i would say that are we ahead of even probably the top team this year but you know on paper right now i i think portland's got a really deep team they're they don't have like that real high end, you know, superstar yeah. group, but they all they have a great team that's been together for a long time. Their twenty year old players are probably the best in the league out of all the teams, and you know, they're, Mike does a great job there with his group and the way that they're coached. And you know, they always drive a ton of offense and play a pretty disciplined game. So if I if I was picking someone on paper to start before anyone makes a move, it's probably Portland.
2: When you talk about coaching and and your own coach, kind of for Oil Kings fans. What kind of team are you? Should they be expecting
4: this year? Well, we have to, our identity has to come off work and our structure. I mean, we're not going to be the kind of team that can go out there and, and win games by scoring a lot of goals. You know, if we can we can score four a night, that's going to be a good night for us. And we have to make sure that we're defensively responsible. And it's got to be a work ethic type attitude every night. We're a pretty big team, actually. Yes. When you look at it on paper, we looking at it. You got a lot yeah, of size for a junior team. We do, and, and and you know, it's got to be the mindset of making the game tough for other teams to play against go through five you know we're going to be physical but it's not giving away those freebies and just teams got to not like playing against us at the end of the day we just got to be one of those annoying teams that you know when you're playing the oil kings it's going to be a tough night
2: nash has that mentality no question how he plays do
4: you have a few other agitators on your team (laughs) well certainly finney is a guy last year, he was, I mean, a guy we just brought to camp as a, as an 18 year old rookie and found his way to stay in the league and, and from opportunity that we had with graduating so many players and, He's the kind of guy that plays, you know, 100, he's full out every night. And sometimes it, it creates him to end up in the penalty box or in some tough situations. But he's our top face-off guy, so he's going to get a ton of minutes just in D zone and taking big draws on the power play when we need him. But he's certainly an agitator there with getting in guys' faces.
2: Obviously, the power play at any level matters. Do you feel your power play can improve this year? And if so, who's going to maybe run your
4: power play? Or who's the power play going to flow through? Well, up top, you know, you got Lajuan Port. You know, Port was drafted by Anaheim, so he's, he, he's got great hands and, and a great look out there. And Lajoie has played in the league with so many games and was always on the Tri-Cities power play. So those two guys will probably be on the back end, kind of leading the charge on that, that top unit and sometimes second unit. But, you know, when you look from last season, obviously Hodnett. Uh, Hodnett's going to be out here for the first month of the year, but he's a guy that we're going to be relying on playing the flank and, and running a lot of a uh, lot of our plays off him. And our new European player, Adam Jecko. Um he's another guy that's gonna play on that top unit probably throughout the year and um the two twenty year old additions in, in Litkey and Nash, when Nash gets healthy, you know, those those are guys that have been between thirty and forty points in the league that we've kinda targeted as, as players that were maybe behind, kinda playing on third lines on really good teams that we think can can jump in here and, and start to put up some big numbers.
2: Well Todd and it's injury and, and you mentioned so he's out for a month. So that that's a few pretty key guys. Like you mentioned, Nash not till December. So you uh you're going to have to have somebody else step up here early on.
4: Yeah, it's two-thirds of your top line probably on paper. So, yeah, it's the, you know, the Jekos of the world. He had a good preseason. He scored three goals, and and Miller was pretty good. So some of those guys are going to have to take a step. And, you know, we threw... Some of those deals we made last year, it wasn't about just getting picks. We wanted to get some players back. So we got Nathan Pilling back, so he's gone to Flames camp right now. We'll get him back after the weekend. And uh, Rylan Kovacevic came over from Kelowna, kind of plays a bit of a a tough role because some offense to his game too. So, you know, those guys that probably you expect to be your secondary scoring once you really start rolling are going to have to take primary seats here right away to get us going.
2: Kurt Hill, GM of the Oil Kings, joins us. Uh, they are on the road tonight, and then tomorrow we'll have their home opener. We had Jeff Jackson in studio on uh, on Monday, or sorry, Wednesday, and he now uh, the CEO of the, the order's, uh hockey operations. Do you guys work in conjunction? Have you had conversations with Jeff at all? I know you know he's into sports science and, and analytics and some other
4: things they want to improve on. Does that trickle down to your organization as well? Yeah, Jeff and. Um we've had some conversations along with Rick Pracy as well obviously the new head amateur scout so there's going to be there's going to be some overlap on some different things and looking at some of the you know some of our reports on players from when they were younger and, and some of the trajectory on a lot of these guys heading into the draft and you know one thing that you know we have the the advantage on so such a, at such an early stage with some of these players is all the background information we do when we're going through the Bantam draft of them ourselves so getting to know the parents and understanding their just a lot of the intricacies on their background is something that uh you know our database definitely holds and i think something that jeff seems to be interested in and in getting a little bit more uh in depth look at it with his group
2: what can you tell us about the rebels you're going to see them this weekend uh home and away of course uh, away first but uh, what type of squad are you expecting down in render?
4: Yeah, I think they're going to be probably the the Red Deer squad that you think, you know, they're going to be hardworking. Um, they got some good returning offensive players as well. They picked up Latimer, who played here for a while, was drafted by Ottawa at one time. He's a 20 now, so he's a guy that can really skate and put up numbers as well. But I would say in the Central, probably going into the season, they should be the top team in our division. Medicine Hat is going to be a good team, but they're really young. They have made a huge step last year going from being last in the league to making the playoffs, which yeah. now we're in that situation here in Edmonton and they were able to do that last year and they should make some strides as well. But uh red deer is going to play you tight and they're going to be one of the top teams again in the league. It's
2: interesting you brought up medicine hat. Cause I want to ask it. It's hard to compare, but if you just look at a blueprint, you look and say, Hey, medicine hat just did it. And, and we're in virtually the same situation to say, Hey, yeah, it's possible. Do you feel your team has improved enough that it's, Because I'm not a big believer in wanting to, oh, oh, you know what? Everybody's got a chance. The truth is, like, you guys didn't have a chance last year, and you you probably knew it. But do you feel like if things go well and there's not any more serious injuries, that you can at least
4: be in the mix? I certainly do. Yeah, I don't see any reason why not. And we, like I said, with the group that we have in net and our decor is young, but that's going to be a real bright spot of the future here. Like, we have three 17-year-olds we really like on that group, and uh, we also have Fiddler coming in as a 16-year-old who's a first overall pick in the u.s draft but i mean he should probably be a top five pick in the canadian draft he was in that draft so with that group and the older forward group if we can you know find ways to stay healthy throughout the season like you talked about there's always things that come up but you just got to hit it at the right time but i feel like we could be in the hunt
2: Kurt Hill joins us. He's the GM of the Oil Kings. They're in Red Deer tonight. And then, of course, uh, tomorrow they are at home. Actually, tomorrow is the first of uh, three consecutive home games because they have uh, Leftbridge next Friday and uh, Sunday at home. So an opportunity for Oil Kings fans to get out to some games early on in the season. And just kind of an overview of the league. You know, I think maybe it's better... If you don't have the two juggernaut teams that we saw last year, maybe even three, right, and that, that's going to happen every now and then. If, if teams do a really good job of building a team, I am not going to discredit them for it and saying it's bad for the league. But from an overall competitive standpoint, the season shapes up a little bit better. There is a little bit more uncertainty. There is not just like okay, it's going to be those two, and then we're just basically to you know have everybody else playing for third place.
4: Yeah, no, it shapes out better that way, and I think it's going to make the trade market be really interesting as well because last year everybody knew what what the four teams were doing. They knew what players were on the market. Everyone knew what was going on, and unlike – you know, Even the year we went for it, like everybody knew at some point PA was going to be moving moving gooey, and the yeah. sort of was potentially on the market, so we were able to get some of those done. But this year, it's going to be a lot of kind of feeling it out on on where that's going to land, and, and that makes great for the fans and every every city in this league, and it makes good for the games. They should be tight, and it should be a good year. What about your
2: approach to that? Let's say your team's in the mix. I, I, you're, you're not at the point, I don't think, where you're going to you know, sell the future for Bunny Stretch, but the importance of – you know, having your young guys get some playoff action this year could really help pay dividends for the following few years. So how do you balance that as a GM as you get close to the deadline?
4: Yeah, you just got to see where your group's at, kind of evaluate it and think, you know, or, or have we put ourselves in the spot we want to be in? Maybe we've overachieved and, over-achieved and great. We go out a guy or two. Um, or maybe if things haven't gone well, there's injuries, then you got to start looking at it. But, you know, the one thing... That there is a little bit of strategy, in my opinion, is with, especially in junior hockey, is if you overload yourself on draft picks, you kind of jam yourself up. Yeah. Cause that's, it makes it tough to sign guys. Then you, all of a sudden, you, you have so many high picks and, but your, your fourth round picks ends up being one of the better players of that draft class. You haven't signed them. And now all of a sudden he, he's like, well, there's no opportunity there for right. me. I'm going to go the other way. Maybe yeah. go play junior A and go to college, right? And yeah. So, I think there's kind of that fine balance on having too many picks, and okay. we've tr- kind of tried to push some of them out just if, you know, hopefully these young guys can get going. we got a lots of picks in 25, 26 maybe to make some moves if we really want to, at that point, try to improve our team. So we're happy with where the picks are. and um, So, yeah, it's kind of a little bit of seeing where we're at come the 10th, and hopefully we're in a spot to get in the playoffs.
2: Now, is this your six for you as GM? Yeah. Six, yeah. yeah, okay. So tell me, what is the biggest difference – for a Kurt Hill GM in year six than in year one?
4: Well, certainly understanding the relationships around the league of the different GMs, but I think I'm, I feel like I've become a little bit more knowledgeable on this trajectory of the player in our league okay. and the patience of understanding that watching so many guys now, whether it be as an oil king or with other organizations, on the patience of if you just got to wait until they kind of get through. Once they're 18 and a half, lots of guys finally start to figure it out. And it's just trying to be patient and get guys there. As much as it can be, you got to live with a lot of growing pains and mistakes on the ice. I think if it's the right guy, they have the right mindset. I, I feel like the patience is something I've learned a lot about.
2: It's fascinating you say that because we had Warren Moon on the show last week, and we were asking him about quarterbacks. and he goes, I don't think there's a shortage of quarterbacks. I think there's a shortage of patience to develop the quarterbacks. And, and your league is, has like a, a four-year window. For lots of the players, potentially. Maybe you can stretch it to five, I guess, for the odd ones who comes in as 16 and stays until a 20 year old. But learning that patience is a bit. And sometimes does that patience even come from, you know what? Maybe we're better off having a 16 year old playing junior A or, you know, triple A midget for another season just to maintain their confidence. Cause I, I've seen it from so many players. You lose confidence for guys. Cause a lot of them, they've always been the best player on their team from ten eleven. 11, not all, but lots of them. And then they come and suddenly they have a tough year and they never rebound because
4: they, they've they never dealt with that kind of adversity I I couldn't agree more with sending guys back and I've seen it more and more and it's hard conversations with the families because I would say 95% of them are in they're in a rush the players in a rush they oh, want to get here yeah. they want to play right away but sending guys back I mean I think of some scenarios where we Kosa probably could have played here at 16 and we sent him back to play more in midget be a starter yeah. didn't want him to be a backup here at 16 and it worked out really well for, for him in that scenario and um, I think at the end of the day, we've probably out of those 16-year-olds we kept that aren't the high-end guys. Let's th- yeah. You take the Neighbors and the Gunthers. Those guys, are they're elite. They're playing in the top six at 16. But some of the 16s maybe we kept, they probably could have went back. And yeah. you learn those as you go, and you yeah. get a little bit of a better feel for what's the opportunity going to be like for our group, and can we play them a- enough?
2: Because you can find an 18-year-old that can probably play as well as that 16-year-old, and the benefit of having that 16-year-old dominate at a lower level Helps you out long term.
4: I agree, and I always the conversations I always had with Brad when he was here, and now with Luke is if we're keeping a sixteen year old, you need to be confident enough to play him in sixty eight games. We're not we're not a team that's about the forty game limit. Okay, yeah, because you got to get him in forty, but and and some teams operate that way. But I don't want to keep a player to try Uh to just go remind the coaches, hey, we have to get this guy in to get him to his 40 games because that's not helping the kid. So, no. if And, he can and play the kid it.
2: senses that. I'm sure the kid knows, that, oh, geez, because he looks and says, oh, look, we're playing one of the worst teams in the league. Oh, great, now I get in the lineup and I get my four minutes and it, it doesn't help. Like I've always wondered, has there ever been conversation to change that rule to increase it to 55 games, to make it so you got to be really certain that the guy can play? Now, obviously that excludes injuries, right? If a kid gets injured, then I think it's prorated and stuff.
4: Yeah, there's some things where you can kind of, the under 17s if players go there those games don't count but you know there hasn't been much conversation on raising it i think some teams in the league like to use it as a bit of a development model for for those players and that's just how they do it they like them practicing with their groups and 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 learning the way that they do things there at a young age and they try to build them up that way but i i've seen it here personally i've seen it fail more by keeping guys that aren't ready than rather than sending them back and i think the biggest conversation is getting ahead of it with the family and make making sure they have a good spot to go back to.
2: And uh, one last one, I'm looking at your schedule, I think you play like three road games in your first 11 or something like that. How important is it to take advantage of this favorable schedule at home for your team early on despite having
4: a few key injuries? Yeah, it's huge. It truly is and, you know, I think in the, the why do know after Christmas, we we play 24 of 34 on the road. So it's after be, Christmas, after, yeah, after <sighs> Christmas. So it's going to be a tough stretch at that point with all those road games. So we have to get off to a good start here. And um, you know, one of the, the benefits of being at home as much as we are is uh, the coach has got lots of time for practice. And this is the time you want to be practicing with your group yeah. early in the year, learning systems, kind of hashing things out. So that's one of the positives. But on the back end, there's going to be some tough trips <laughs> once it gets snowy outside.
2: Well, it's a little harder for Radomski. He better be uh, better be good in the. Uh ensuring that they've got lots of good promotional events early on in the season with so many home games.
4: Well oh, Kevin, he does a great job. And I know that, uh, some of the promotions he has coming this year are going to be pretty great for the fans. And, you know, speaking to last year being winning 10 games and, and leading the league in attendance speaks to, to what they do there at OEG for, for our brand specifically. it's, it's amazing what they do. And, uh, yeah, this year, I know 20 bucks tickets to get, to come to the games. And I, Kevin and I were talking today a little bit about the new kids, family packs too, for, uh, the food that they've they've revamped at yes. the rink. I know it's always been a concern on how expensive things smart. are, and yeah, they've revamped that. So ten bucks now, you can eat full kids' meals. It's it's really a a family friendly atmosphere, and they do an awesome job of it. Yeah. That.
2: So uh, for anybody going to the games now, yeah, it's much more affordable to get some uh, food in the uh, kids because half the enjoyment for a kid is you get to go to the game, but you also get to have the snacks. It's kind of goes hand in hand, and
4: the bouncy castles. are yeah, great, yeah, right? right?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true, and <laughs> yeah, throwing the pucks. So there's there's quite a few things there. Um, of course, seeing the mascot. Is another big one. I know uh, I've coached, uh, you know, eight, nine year olds the last years. And even at that age, they get fired up to go to the Oil Kings games. They love it. They're right by the glass. You know, usually they don't get to go right by the glass in an order's game, and they're right up close. And the game's faster. It's just way faster when you're that close. So it's a lot of fun. Well, Kirk, I really appreciate you coming in studio today. And of course, uh, we'll have you on uh, often throughout the year. So thanks for this and best of luck in week one. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That is Kurt Hill, the GM of the Oil Kings. They're in Red Deer tonight. and And also, by the way, Big announcement! Uh, the Oil Kings, all 68 games are available on iHeart. Some of you I know are listening to the station right now on iHeart Radio, so be sure to uh, get the Oil Kings games. They got their own channel, and uh, you can listen to uh, Andrew Peard all 68 games starting tonight in Red Deer, and then of course the uh, home opener tomorrow against the same Red Deer Rebels. So we'll come back. We got uh, Cam Tate, then uh, Lori Ann Munzer, and more on the Positive Friday edition of the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca.
1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Pause of Friday continues on. Eminent Sports Leader, TSN 1260. It is the Jason Greger Show coming to you live from the E-Well Studio. E W E L. From LED lighting audits and retrofits to design build distributions, EWEL can give you the edge you need to impress your clients. Go to EWEL.ca. Of course, uh, if you're watching live on Orders Nation YouTube, uh, you'll see their uh, lovely logo right behind me. So it's pretty simple. You can't spell it wrong. Very, very easy. We got lots of text to get to at 833-401-1440. Coming up, uh, at the top of the hour, Laurie Munzer, two-time Olympic uh, gold medalist. Our Friday guest will join us. Brent Wallace will go to Ottawa around the NHL, talk about the Sens. Their ownership deal is in. But what's up with Shane Pinto? Is he going to get signed? We might, well, I know it's not about Ottawa, but, uh, the report about Trevor Ziegris being offered three to four million bucks. Uh <laughs> oh, the little ball of hate, Pat Verbeek. That's, uh, That's a bold approach. Maybe, they, they, you know, you look at him, he's he's two back-to-back seasons of 60 points as a young player. Now, you can sit here and say, yeah, you know, Zegers has got to improve here, he's got to improve there, sure. But he's got two 60-point seasons, man, in his first few years in the league. Like, offering him three to four million, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But here's the thing. If you're Zegers, what do you do? You can only not sign for so long... Otherwise, you missed the whole season, and is three or four mil better than zero? I would think so, but it's not good for either side because then Zegras, let's say you hold out till the end of November. Right? Hold out's the wrong word; you don't sign until the end of November. Well, now you're playing catch up. So even if you take less money, yeah, it's not good for you. It's not good for the Ducks. Season's wasted. But the Ducks probably can take this risk because they're not going to be good. And in this boat, not having Zegers to start the season, guess what? That just improves their chances of being a bad team. And Jamie Drysdale, both are unsigned. So uh, we'll go to the we'll go to Anaheim next week in around the NHL and find out exactly what is going on because that is it's kind of odd. Like I could see if you didn't want to back up the Brinks truck to Zegers and give him eight mil or nine, even though the numbers suggest you probably should. I could get if they say, you know what, we're not certain how good he's going to be. Okay. Because, like, look at Matt Barzell. He had the 85-point season. He's never come close to it since. Now, they're also not an overly offensive-minded team in New York, but he hasn't, after his rookie year, Matt Barzell hasn't matched that level of productivity. Now, Zegers, could he stay a 60-point guy? Sure. And 60 points is probably a $6 million player. So maybe that's why they're playing hardball. But I do find it a little uh, little interesting, uh, to say the least. So... It is uh Friday and you know what that means uh, every Monday and Friday on the show at this time. Uh Cam Tate uh, is a longtime journalist in our city. Cam uh, is in a wheelchair and he has cerebral palsy. He has always wanted to be uh, a radio guy but uh, due to his cerebral palsy you know his voice isn't clear enough to do it all the time. But with the wonders of technology Tater is allowed to use his voice now and uh we give him a platform here as another edition of the 2 minute warning with Cam Tate.
5: I'm Brian from VoxBox. Today's two-minute warning. The Humboldt Broncos' legacy. We all had that feeling on that 2018 spring evening when everything went so wrong. The pictures, the grief, the terrible feeling of helplessness when the Humboldt Broncos bus was demolished, claiming 16 lives and disabling 13 others. What do we do to help? Many contributed funds. Others wrote letters. But there was that yearning to do more. Perhaps we can start something individually and collectively, starting tonight and lasting all winter, because right now countless buses with junior hockey players full of promise are pounding Canadian highways on their way for a game. The Edmonton Oil Kings start their Western Hockey League season tonight in Red Deer and are probably right now loading their bus. The Spruce Grove Saints begin a three-game weekend set of games in Brooks. The Sherwood Park Crusaders are in Drumheller tomorrow. Two, one, play the game they love and two, chase their dream wherever it might take them. We need to make sure their bus pulls into arenas, restaurants, hotels, and coffee shops safe. And sound, the highways are dry right now and the weather is great. But in a few weeks, winter will slowly tighten its seasonal squeeze. The prairies will endure another winter and present some treacherous driving conditions. But no matter the weather, those of us driving on highways need to remember the Humboldt story and its most profound meaning. We must be ever cognizant of the speed limit, the stop signs, the flashing lights, the slippery highways, and so much more. If we do, we will keep everyone safe, including buses ferrying junior hockey players. So maybe, just maybe, defensive driving is a way we can honor the Humboldt Bronco team of 2018 and their current band of brothers chasing their dreams. I'm Brian for VoxBox 2-Minute Warning and Cam Tate on the Jason Greger Show heard Mondays and Fridays right here on Sports 1440.
2: It is one... That uh, yeah makes you think for sure in regards to the uh, buses. So uh, safe travels for everyone out there. School buses, you know, there, there's hockey teams, there's football teams, there's basketball teams, volleyball. You think about how many teams are out there and how few accidents, thankfully, there are. It's uh, it's fantastic. Now got a lot of text at eight three three four zero one fourteen forty coming in. Hey guys, I have a a five-year-old son. Took him to the uh, Elks game. It was uh, the two-dollar hot dogs. We sat down literally one minute. Dad, when's lunch? See, it's true. Half the battle, half the excitement for the kid to go to the sporting event is to get the burger, or the hot dog, or the popcorn. That's just part of it. It adds to it. Super fun. I like it. Hey guys, Trevor Zegers, comeback player of the year. (laughs) <laughs> now, you're, now you're getting into it Oh, the old Willie Nylander Oh, that was still a classic So funny when uh, Remember, because the next season Some people had him at the midway point in that uh, player poll As the comeback player of the year Why? Because he came back from not signing a contract God, that was funny Still one of the few times I've seen Strutty like legitimately upset Legitimately upset It was uh, so good Hey guys, why don't we wait until our goalies play a few games? I think we have a good tandem together. They will get it done. Don't worry. From uh, Shanked one. Uh, well, I, I don't think anybody's jumping the gun. I think people are just outlining. Hey, Jack Campbell has to have a bounce back season, but that's like captain obvious thing. Of course he does. His previous four years, he had a combined nine sixteen say, percentage. Last year, at an eight eighty eight. Now, if he falls in the footsteps of Markstrom, he'll bounce back. I'll say this: I don't expect Campbell to be 916. If he does, that's a really good year, because keep in mind, goal scoring's up across the NHL. What used to be a 914,15 is now like a 9,11, 910, just because there's more goals across the league. So I don't even think Campbell needs to be a 916 to have a good season. I outlined it: the top 20 goalies in the league who started at least 30 games. Stuart Skinner was 14th and he was 914. Solid. As a rookie, if Jack Campbell's even just 905 last year, that's the 20th goalie in the year, and 20th first goalie who starts 30 games. Right? And if Stuart Skinner plays well, then you're doing fine because I fully expect both goalies to play at least 30 games unless one of them gets hurt. I don't see any other way around it. right? So I, I don't see one of these guys starting 55 games. I'd be surprised because I don't think. I just don't think it's a, a smart idea to overplay a goalie. They they don't have a Vasilevsky, they don't have a Shesterkin, and even those guys, I don't think it's uh, it's beneficial. You look at a guy like Vasilevsky. He um you know he's an elite goalie. So he's able to do it. Not many others can do it. Hey, guys, awesome to hear Tate on the radio. Kudos, Gregors, for that segment. I played junior in Camero many years ago, and he joined us on the bus a few times. Great guy and great journalist from uh, Buchanistan. Uh, you know what? And Tate, I give him credit, man. Like, he, he he never considers himself disabled at all, and I love it. Like, he Cam wants to be treated like anyone else. He'll give you the gears. He'll chirp you back. He wants you to chirp him. I still laugh every time I think of the John Short speech. <laughs> And he was very heartfelt, and he says all these nice things about Cam Tate, <laughs> and they're giving him an award. And then when Cam gets up to the mic, and uh, got to remember he has cerebral palsy, so um, you know some of his words when he speaks, you get rather to pay attention. And Cam and his voice, and I don't want to impersonate because I can't do it well. But anyway, he's just he, like gets up to this. It's the first thing he says, "Beep you, John." <laughs> so funny, hey, because no one's expecting it. And it's just, Cam's got a really good sense of humor. So uh, we're happy that uh, we can give him a voice, uh, something that he said. It's like a 48-year dream come true for him to be able to have that uh, every Monday and Friday on the show. And so, you know what? We've actually had a few sponsors who are interested in wanting to sponsor that, which is great. So I like it. Uh, Let's get to uh, Connor Halley and a Sports 1440 update brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, home with no payments, no interest for one year on your furnace. Stay warm all winter. legacyheating.ca After the con man, Lori Ann Munzer will join us.